Uh, yeah, so Amy and I were in New Jersey last weekend. I think most people here, if you don't know, I was my brother passed away last month, so I think we're mostly on board with that. Um, did a service in San Diego where he lived for 12 years and then was out in New Jersey where we all grew up doing another service out there. And, uh, yeah, not, 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 not easy. Uh, I guess it went as well as, uh, as it could, could go. I'm uh, going to get into the Christmas story a little bit. Um, yeah, I just want to kind of update a little more where we're at. I figure we're here, I'm here. So um, a lot of people asking, how are you doing? And, and yeah, it's super hard. It's been a really hard year. Uh, my brother and I and all our brothers are really close. There's five of us. Uh, so growing up with five boys, sort of rough and tumble. Um, yeah, we definitely are missing that piece. Um, one of my brothers said, you know, it feels like we lost our superpower. Like, man, there was just always this part of us that seems really strong and uh, it's a little bit broken right now. Uh, man, it feels easy compared to my mom, which, you know, was just earlier this year, which was, which was hard, but um, sometimes things go like that, right? Like your first year of marriage seems really hard sometimes, and then you have kids like, whoa, what were you complaining about? Life was so easy. You know, when you move along through life, you look back, like, oh my gosh, I had it so easy. So, uh, but grief is hard. I'm learning, I'm learning that stuff, learning about grief and, and processing it and, and when it comes in different waves. And it just feels like, I know some of you can relate to this, so I'm hopefully processing maybe together with some of you. But, you know, it's a shadow on your life. You know, you're, you're just sort of walking the sunny path and, and, and you see it. It's there. It's, it's a part of you. And sometimes it's right in front of you, sometimes behind, sometimes it kind of fades out. But, but it's just there. And so, yeah, I'm having a hard time. I think I've cried every day for a month. Uh, super sad, but I'm really grateful as well. I'm not, uh, I don't feel depressed. I love this season. We're, we're, we're clinging to the joy of Christmas. I love this community uh, and our family. Grateful for what we have and uh, appreciate so many calls and, and people reaching out. Uh, Jeff called me, I think, uh, this week. Sager, he's not here. Um, and some of you, some of you called, I haven't picked up the phone. Don't be offended. I don't, I don't pick up all the calls, but I haven't learned how to pick up Jeff's call. And uh, he's like, so uh, what's, what's going on with the fantasy football playoffs again? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and I was glad he said that. We talked about that for a moment. And he said, you know, I'm really sorry to hear about your brother. And he's like, when I read that, uh, I said, when I read that, my heart just broke. And I'm like, you read the newsletter? I love you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, you know, I figured you'd talk about it when you're ready. And uh, I'm a pretty open person in some ways, in some ways private and, and happy to process with friends and family. Um, but it's a tough one, you know, to the point where I might say things and I'm sharing things and you'll be thinking like, man, this guy should really get some help. And, uh, you know, so I'm working on that. Right. And, uh, I'm, I'm just working on some stuff with a counselor right now, a grief counselor. Um, so skipping all those things, you should be thinking, man, you should get some help. I'm just going to get help and just skip right to it. And, uh, I know pastors aren't supposed to get help. Pastors are not supposed to probably do things like that. So, uh, forgive me for that. But, um, that's just kind of where I'm at. So processing um, those things. I want to tell a story about my brother. Um, I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not, but I'm going to, and I have the microphone. So what are you going to do? And, uh, you know, I'm not going to break out the slideshow. So when Thomas and I were two, um, and I'm going to tie it into Christmas, so don't worry. But this is something I've shared a couple times. At, at uh, I've given a, you know a couple eulogies now for my brother and my, one for my mom. So it's three this year. So this is really un unpleasant, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. And some of you knew my brother. Most of you did not. Uh, he was a middle brother, middle of the five, and uh, we all kind of shared him in different ways. My brothers and I, and his friends, and we get together with other family, people knew him from different times and places and spaces and, you know, classrooms and churches and, and warehouse shows. He was a musician. And, 
Uh, and places that contain memory, right? So if you've had people you've lost, there's places that kind of contain their memory. Places are these containers of memory for us. And, and sometimes those are really great memories, sometimes those are hard, sometimes they make you uncomfortable. But you know that when you walk into a certain place or space or home or, or building or beach, that sometimes it just come, things come back. And uh, this is about a place that now contains memory of my brother. And uh, it was a story when I invited him backpacking into uh, the mountains a few summers ago. And my brother's not a backpacker. My brother is notorious for wearing like really long, pointy Italian shoes and really tight clothes. And he was an artist and a creative and uh, not uh, happy to go outdoors, but wasn't that type of person. And I was planning a quick trip into the Eastern Sierras. And I was actually content to do it alone. I thought, I mean, I just need, to, I just need a trip. I need to get out uh, for a couple days and just sort of be with myself and God and creation and rest. And I thought, you know, I'm going to invite my brother. Like when he probably will say no, but let me invite him along. Uh, you know, we invite people, you're, you're kind of thinking they're going to say no, but you lob it out anyway, right? Isn't that like the wedding invites? You send those out like, oh, my aunt will never come from Illinois. Like, oh, crap, she's coming. But I didn't really feel like that. I thought, let me invite my brother. He'll, he probably won't, won't go, but I'm going to invite him. And I, I asked, I called him up and said, hey, man, what do you think about going out for a couple days? And he said yes, which didn't actually surprise me. He was a yes kind of a, a person. Um, and uh, I was a little surprised though when he start, when he showed up at our meeting site. I was like, oh my gosh, he's actually here. And I wasn't surprised when he showed up with no camping gear. I was like, oh, okay, that, that's normal for him. I'm like, dude, where's your stuff? And he says, right here. And he, and he reaches into his car and he gets out this really small survival kit that he got on Amazon, which is like his child-sized backpack and a plastic compass and this really big buck knife that he was super proud of. And he would say, all right, whatever. And I had some stuff. We throw it in my truck. And we're just driving, you know, out into the, out, down to 395 and out through the desert, you know, up into the Eastern Sierras. And, uh, you know, it was hot. It was summer. My truck didn't have air conditioning. And, and uh, you know, the windows are down. It's loud. We just have like a, you know, cooler of drinks and, and, and hope, hope they'll have some fun and find whatever it is we're searching for. And uh, that evening, we hike into our spot. We chop firewood and we just laugh. And we laugh about all the things that made us laugh. And, um, you know, we're watching the stars, you know, you get out in creation, you're watching the stars, we're just making comments of life and um, the truths that are found in nature, you know, when you get out there, it's like, man, it just centers us so well when we're away from it all. And my brother was super funny, um, but he could also go, go super deep about the wonders of God and um, always appreciate that about him. And we start climbing the next uh, the day. The next day, we're going on this, this journey. It's through this twelve thousand foot pass uh, through, into the John Muir Wilderness, and you're just kind of below Mount Whitney and Langley, some of the giants of, of the mountain range up there. And you wake up the next morning. We start hiking with the sun, and uh, almost immediately, we hit this strenuous stretch of switchbacks, and it's just like back and forth, back and forth. And sometimes we talk, and mostly we're just like, "Man, this this sucks. This is super hard." And we're going back and forth and it's getting warm. And the top of the switchbacks, I'm catching my breath. And I'm absorbing this sort of new view. You get to the top, like, okay, we made it to this next stage. I'm just absorbing this view. And you hear from behind me the sound of a can being opened. And I turn around and I see my brother Thomas drinking a can of Bud Light Lime. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm thirsty. Just grinning ear to ear. Uh, somewhat probably because of the beer, but mostly because he got a reaction out of me. And, uh, you know, he had that, he had that gift. He was one of those guys who just had that gift just to draw something out of everybody. And I'm like, dude, give me some of that. And, uh, and there's a quick picture of it. But um, 
give me some of that. We go, we're hiking, you know, 10,003 through forest and rock and these alpine lakes that are just blue as ice. And we pause often to be and hike is hard. I just find myself wanting to break off in and, and rest. And man, he did not want to ever rest. He had no gear, little water, stomach full of Bud Light lime. And he was just crushing me on the trail, like up and down, getting ahead, coming back, climbing stuff. I'd sit down and he'd be back up on, on some boulders. And I reach this pass, and it's just super high up, and you're, and you're looking down in the John Muir wilderness. This is kind of bowl of, of life, a, a forest between all these mountains. And it looks like heaven and, and, and kind of like a Jurassic Park, and it's, it's just transcendent. And we breathe it in, and we start talking about planning another trip together. Like, man, we got to do this already. We're not even done with this one. Like, we got to do this again. And he sees this other kind of little pinnacle off to the side, and he just says, man, what about, what about that? I'm like, what? He's like, man. What about that, that pinnacle, that peak? And it's all this shifty rock that kind of piled up, and it was probably about 100, 150 feet higher than where we were. Like, we were at this amazing place. We said, like, man, look at that. We should get up there. And we started to check it out. And if there were signs in the wilderness, this deep in the wilderness, that said, do not climb, they'd be all over this pile of rock. It was just not something you should get on. And so we start to climb. We're going higher and higher up this thing, and it's sliding earth and tilted slabs. And there's this deep crack at one point that kind of requires a little bit of like a spider crawl up it. And, and we're up there and it's, it's far down. And if you didn't do it well, very likely you're falling probably in hundreds, if not a thousand feet. It was, it was a precarious place to be. And I'm like, dude, I think we should call it. Like, I'm the older brother. I think we're good here. And he's like, dude, we're almost there. We are almost there. And and he wanted to push on. And I was older than Thomas, and, but in many ways, I was always trying to keep up with him. He was just one of those people. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, I have kids. I'm looking at the gap. I'm like, I, I got to get home. He's like, I have kids too. That's why I'm going up there. I'm going to carve their initials in the rock and take them here someday. And I'm like, dude, it's a national park. You can't carve your initials and do it. <laughs> but he's already on his way. And I'm watching him, and I'm inspired and terrified. I'm just both inspired and terrified, which is often the case with this, this person of my brother, uh, those who are close to him. And I think about it in these, this way, in the, in, we'll get to the story, but we think about it in the way of how Jesus' disciples felt around Jesus, following Jesus through fear and inspiration, through fear and inspiration. And if we are still following that story today, there's a little bit of that that kind of should be hanging around our life, like we're just a little bit nervous following Jesus, but we're super inspired. And you think about even the, the, the classic story of Jesus out on the water, right? And there's this waves and the disciples are on their boat and they see him walking. They're kind of afraid, is he a ghost? And then he can control the weather, but they're super inspired. And one of the disciples is like, man, I, I want to be part of that. I'm going to get out there. And he's, he was just trusting, Peter just trusting and crazy enough to get out and do it with him. And my brother was kind of that type of Jesus follower. It was just like, oh man, I don't know if you should do that. And it was, he was already on his way out of the boat. And we never did make another trip. It's just one of those hard lessons in life, you know. And um, Man, he's got his boys, six and eight, beautiful boys. And, um, and I've told them, I don't know if their initials are still in that rock or even if we can find it, but I'd love to take them there someday and kind of remember that together. Um, but when we walk through life with people, and we love people. We're called to love people, and some we love more than others. Uh, we love people, but love, love always sort of seems to involve hurt one way or the other. If you've been in love or you've been loved, there's, there's always this little bit of element of hurt. And that's, that's not 
oh, it was a bad thing. It's just part of the equation, right? Because love always requires trust. When you love somebody, it requires trust. And trust, if we say we trust you, what trust implicates a little bit of a fear, right? Why do you have to trust something? Is that you're a little bit afraid of it. Well, just, well, trust me, because you're a little bit uncertain. Just trust it. You know, trust the, when you're rock climbing or something, trust the hole, trust the rope. Like, yeah, because I'm a little bit afraid. Trust this person. Yeah, but I'm a little bit afraid, because what if, what if I get hurt? Because trust can be scary. And Jesus requires trust in this Christmas story, but really to center ourselves on it, it requires trust. Yeah, did it matter that much? Does it matter that much today? Did that story of God coming to earth to be with us, is it really that important that I should center my life around it? You know, where do those fears come from when we talk about, talk about trust? It's often about being let down. Anyone ever been let down before? Man, you what a lucky bunch. Hardly any of you. Amazing. Yeah, we're let down, right? It, 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 it's something that sort of hurt us. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a failure. It's embarrassment. Ever have done something with somebody and, and uh, it doesn't go well. Someone says, I told you not to trust them. Told you not to trust them, right? Told you not to trust them. And sometimes for a good reason, but sometimes because we're just skeptical. We're just skeptical anymore. We've seen this plot twist in the movies too many times where a good character kind of turns out to be a bad, bad character. And someone starts to trust them. You're like, no, 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 don't trust that person. They're bad. They're no good. And whether it's stupidity or naivety or depression, maybe all three, they trust this, this character. And so we have this sort of in our minds as we explore Jesus, like, is he someone we can trust? Is he someone I, I can trust? Is he, is he, is he really going to say what he, who he says he is? Am I going to be okay with this person? Am I going to be okay with this story? The more I open up my heart, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get embarrassed? Is it going to fail? In the beginning of, the, of, of Jesus' story, in this Christmas story, we have people, even before he's born, having to encounter him in a certain way of, of, of trust and faith and some fear. And in Luke 2, we'd see Mary's story. We're not going to read that today, we, we, maybe a little bit on Christmas Eve. But, but her response, if you know Mary's story, she's, she's engaged to be married, and she's got this boy that she loves. And this angel shows up and says, hey, listen, uh, i got some news for you. You're going to be with child. It's going to be from the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the Messiah, and it's going to change the universe as we know it. And she's like, uh, okay, I'm your servant. I guess so. Like, I, uh, sure, let's, let's do it. That's what you say, right? This angel's speaking to her. But I want to look at Joseph's story today, and it's, it's uh, in Matthew. You can turn there, pull it up if you want. Matthew 118. It's not super long. Uh, and this is Joseph's story, and it goes like this, according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived from her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Mary gets this, this incredible, crazy news that she's going to have God's son through the Holy Spirit, miraculously. She's told by an angel, and she's like, all right, I'm in. And, and, and Mary and Joseph, the Bible, man, they were people of strong faith and character, so they definitely had that going for them. But Joseph, he doesn't get this visitation first. Right? How, how does he find out about it? Probably from Mary. Mary wasn't telling a lot of people. She has to come to this this person who she loves, who she's engaged to, with this really hard truth, if you think about it. Think about they're engaged and they're, they're you know, they're probably teenagers of the time, at that time, and, and, and she said, hey, so something happened. Like, think about that moment for her. And, and the trust and the faith that she had to have, that I, I have to go through this, even though, even though he may leave me, even this, this is gonna disrupt and interrupt my life, this baby could ruin my life in some sense. We had plans. I had a guy. Now I'm going to have to tell him I'm pregnant? Is he going to believe me? Man, I imagine her just in tears trying to bring this, this, this news. And Joseph gets this from her. Hey, I'm, I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And he says he was faithful to the law. And yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. And he said, I'm going to divorce her quietly. And in this moment, he's, you know, he's hurt. He's thrown off. It moves on to say he considered all these things. So he's thinking about it. And then an angel comes to him after the fact. But he's had to kind of process this stuff first. Hearing God's plan, trying to understand, is this something for me? Is this real? Am I just getting out of this? Is she lying? I love her. Should I tell people? They'll probably want to stone her, but I don't want her to be stoned, by, but I want to follow the law. Maybe I'll just do it quietly, and then she can sort it out on herself. Think about what's going on in the beginning of this story. This is Jesus' story. This is, his, this is like his parents, right? This is his mom and would be kind of his stepdad. And this is hard. This is hard real-life stuff. Super disruptive. Super difficult from the onset. From the beginning of his life, as he's an embryo, man, he is, he's, he's making things hard for them. And so he's processing this stuff, and, and he, you know, he goes through, and I'm like, man, I guess a divorce, and he's thinking about this stuff. And he was a man of faith, and, and he might have known at some point, like, this is crazy. Like, Mary, is she the one? Maybe she's the one. Bethlehem, the line of David. I guess maybe this is the person. This is, is this it? Is this happening right now? Is this really the Messiah? This is unbelievable. This is going to be my son? I'm going to raise this guy? And he's considering this stuff, and then this, and this angel confirms it. Well, there's a space in the, in the, in the text, if you were to look at it in, in, in the Bible or on your screen, where there's this blank line, right? And he says, minor divorcer, and then he changes. But in this blank space between these things, is, it's got to just be some disappointment. Just disappointment, like, wow, this isn't how I thought it was going to go. Shoot, I loved her, but I, this isn't going to work. Is she crazy? What are people going to do? And you imagine, I don't know how much time went on that he had to consider these things before the angel came or after that conversation, but, but he's probably suffering a little bit because he imagined things differently. And we often do that. We suffer because we imagine things differently. I didn't see it going this way. Thought it would be different. Thought it would be better. Didn't think it would be so complicated. 
you suffer because we imagine things differently. And this, this blank space in here, in these verses, like this battleground that we all face day in and day out, whether it's your relationship or your job or your faith or, or your finances or your health, like, I thought it'd be different. I'm just, I thought it'd be different. I thought it'd be maybe better. Now, I remember those Christmases as a kid, and, and, and you guys probably can, some of you can relate to this now as kids, or even all of us adults, but, you know, get up and you, and you go through your presents, and it's Christmas morning, and you had some, you had some expectations in mind of what, what you're going to get, and how it's going to go, start opening presents, you don't see that one gift there yet, I didn't get it yet, it's probably behind the tree, it's going to be the last one, open, oh, are we done, we can't be done, I, I'm not done yet, I didn't get it yet. Where's that gift? Where's the, where's the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier? I don't see it yet. Is, are they going to bring it out afterwards? And you're kind of waiting there like something else is going to happen because I, I got all these, but I, I kind of wanted something more. Man, that disappointment's hard, and it can rob you of joy. It can rob you of the season. You can sit there on Christmas morning and kind of be like grumpy and pout, spoiled brat, like, oh, man, I thought it would be better. I thought it would be different. It didn't get me what I wanted. But you even have that as adults, we're like, uh, I don't know. Is it really that great? Is Christmas story really that great? Look at my life. And we can lose track of those things when we imagine things differently and we can just suffer from that and this can rob our joy. It can rob our joy. And so Joseph, he kind of has to like wrestle through this and he gets there, he gets this confirmation from an angel like, hey, listen, I know it's crazy, but don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And even if, if, if Mary was telling the truth, that almost is more scary. Like, oh boy, that's happening? I'm not qualified for that. Angel says, don't be afraid. As they always do, do not be afraid. Take her as your wife. It's cool. God wants that story for you. He still, he still believes in that story. This is just a little bit of a different chapter than you imagined. But he still wants that story for you. He wants that story of love for you. He wants the best for you. He's just interrupting it a little bit. He's interrupting what you thought. We all have that. What we thought, God's going to jump in. I'm going to interrupt this story just, just for a minute. You might not like it. It might confuse you. But, but it's going to be okay. I'm going to get back to where you, where you wanted to be anyway. And it's going to be better. And he calls him to trust God's plan, which trust is, is scary. And trusting God's plan is different than being clear on God, God, God's plan. Trusting God's plan is different than being clear on God's plan. It's saying, all right. I don't know all the details. You want to tell them to me? No? All right. Well, I'm just going to trust that. I'm not clear on it, but I'm going to trust it. And so for these two young people, all right, take the next step. Let's just trust it. I don't understand how this is going to go. I don't see how this is going to help. I don't see how that can be the savior of the world. But sure, let's take the next step. What's the next step? Take her as your wife. All right, let's do that. I'll take her then. That's what you said. And they just start to go along step by step. But in between those steps is agony. I'm sure there's tears, there's disappointment, there's confusion, there's doubt. It doesn't mean it's not there. They, they, the writers kind of go right through this in like a few paragraphs. But the human side of it is hard. Relationship with Jesus can be that way. And so they start to go along with, with, with God's plan. And they have to consider for Mary and for Joseph that they had an idea for themselves there might be just a story there that, that you don't see. Sometimes for some of us, there's a story that you don't see. You have a story in your mind. There's an idea in your mind. There's a, there's a life in your mind. And, and those aren't bad things. It's good to dream. But maybe there's something you don't see. 
Maybe it's something that God wants to do that's just unexpected, that maybe even throws you off. You're like, whoa, I am the wrong person for this. But throughout the text, throughout the, the course of the Bible, it seems like he jumps in on people's lives that way. We're all like, oh, I'm not the right person. You got the wrong guy, I can't do this. And he wants to add these kind of other, other parts of our story that you just don't quite see. You ever thought that you look back on a situation and we say, we say hindsight's 2020, right? Because you didn't see something at the time. There's something you didn't see. You ever thought, man, I wish I would have known that. Because you're living a certain way you didn't see it at the time. And even what's, what's happening right now, oh, I didn't, I didn't get it. Mary and Joseph and those who enter in this Christmas story, like, they're looking, able to look back, hopefully at some point in their life, like, okay, kind of see a little bit now. At their stage, they couldn't even see as much as we do, but look, okay, I kind of see it now. At the time, it seemed crazy, but I didn't see it. Now I see it. And Joseph just has this sort of trust to start going along with it. Hey, yeah, maybe an angel helped. Big angel shows up. Maybe you just do what they say. But he had considered these things in his heart anyway. I think the, the angel just kind of confirmed it. And he starts to sort of move along through this, through this story, and he, he says he... You know, he, he wakes up from the angel and he takes Mary as his wife and, and he said, didn't consummate their marriage and he, he gave, the, gave him the name Jesus. And we'll get to the rest of the kind of story tomorrow or next this week in Luke. But for us, when we, when we walk through this sort of season right now, because I'm in this, I'm like, uh, I, don't know if I, do, I don't know if I can do Christmas. I don't know if it's joyful or what, or I just want to get past it. But in this season, like, can we center ourselves on this time to remember, for many of us, if we've been in the faith for any number of years, can I just remember the excitement of this story? That this was an amazing story. And the people in it, the characters in it, they don't know everything that's going on. They get a little confused. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe there's some interruptions. Maybe the shepherds are like, I wasn't looking for anything tonight. It's one of the quiet night. Wise men will talk about it. They had to travel all kinds of distance. Like, uh, two people are ready to get married. And Jesus is like, nope. I, I see what you're doing there, but I'm going to do something different. And as you get ready, because this is a good time to think about this stuff for 2020, like what is next year going to look like? Is there going to be something different? Are we going to look for a, a story maybe that you hadn't thought about before? Maybe a generous story, a God story, something that can, can really change your, the course of your life. And if you're an adult, like, ah, my life's good, I'm on course. Man, maybe it's not too late for something different. Maybe those things that were broken can be restored. Maybe this story of, of Jesus coming to earth really does make a difference in our day-to-day. -day. Well, have the band come up, we'll close out with the song. This great quote by a French philosopher, Marcel Proust, says this, The voyage of discovery isn't seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Man, for some of us, we just need new eyes in this season. Because we know the landscape, we've seen the story, we've read Luke 2, we, 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 know what, we know what we're looking at. But maybe we need some new eyes to see it. Maybe we need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to see things a little differently. Maybe that's a neighbor or a family member. Maybe that's your own soul. Maybe it's your connection with God that really is, is not very much there. And I've seen it before, maybe you need some new eyes. And I think through this story, we see Mary and Joseph and Zachariah even. I mean, they're just getting new eyes to what's happening in front of them. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your story. Thank you for this time of year. God, I pray for our hearts right now, Lord, uh, that you would soften them to your story, that you would soften them to joy, that we'd be excited, 
I'd be excited to, for where we're at, where we're going, who you are. Okay, for those of us who just need some new eyes, like we've seen this story, we're looking at the landscape, but we need some fresh eyes. Help us to see it the way you do. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.